The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sectors. FDF podcast, passionate about food and drink. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the last podcast in the FDF Sourcing Sustainable Commodities podcast series. My name is Emma, and I'm the Senior Sustainability and Environmental Policy Executive at the FDF. So far, we have spoken to experts at Ethica about the commodities of palm oil and soya and how they fit into a much bigger picture driven by the need for collaboration across the supply chain and with government to help address climate change and improve biodiversity. Today, we want to talk about how all of this works in practice. At the FDF, our members use a vast range of ingredients, a number of which could be classed as forest risk commodities. And they want to ensure that they are sourced sustainably so they can ensure the environmental, social and economic security of their products. This has resulted in a number of innovative solutions and collaboration across the sector, including through certification programmes such as those we have referenced today, like the RSPO. Today, I'm joined by Emma Keller, Head of Sustainability at Nestle UK and Ireland, and Olivier Zolzman, Responsible Sourcing Manager at Ferrero. Uh, Emma, do you want to quickly introduce yourself? Thanks, Emma. Hello, everybody. Lovely to be here. My name's Emma Keller. Um, as Emma said, I'm Head of Sustainability at Nestle UK in Ireland. I've been at the business just shy of a year now, having come from WWF, the World Wildlife Fund, where I was leading work on food and lots of work on tackling deforestation. So this is an issue really close to my heart. So looking forward to this discussion today. Thanks. And Olivier, um, how about you? Yeah, thank you, Emma. Uh, first of all, pleasure to, to be here. Um, so I work at the uh, headquarters of Ferrero. Um, I'm in charge of uh, the responsible sourcing for cocoa. Uh, in that role, I manage all the uh, cocoa sustainability programs with our suppliers, but also uh, collective initiatives that we are part of uh, with on cocoa and also um, uh, with special partnerships with Save the Children. So, for example, the Cocoa Enforcement Initiative uh, is a topic where I am directly involved in and happy to contribute to this uh, podcast today. I'm going to start quite broadly um, with a question for both of you on uh, why is sourcing sustainable commodities important to your business? And uh, do you have any existing commitments? Sourcing sustainable con- commodities is absolutely fundamental for our business from, from so many different angles. Firstly, if we don't source sustainable commodities and and tackle the deforestation risks that exist with them, we just have no hope of meeting our climate change commitments to be net zero by 2050 and to half our emissions by 2030. And I think that's true for many businesses. Of course, deforestation is a huge risk and it's, it's something we absolutely need to address. Of course, as part of that, it's really important to our customers and our consumers no one wants to be buying products that have deforestation embedded in them. So it's really important to continue to to have a sustainable business into the future, that we make sure the ingredients that we're using in our products have come from sustainable sources that don't contribute to deforestation or habitat destruction, that are protecting biodiversity and nature, and of course, are protecting and safeguarding the people that make them. So it's a really important part of what we do. We, we've, like many companies, we were all committed um, back in 2010 under the Consumer Goods Forum to ending deforestation in our supply chains by 2020. 
Now, it is it is a huge goal. And unfortunately, we, we, we all collectively didn't quite get there by 2020. But what it's really forced us to do is to redouble our efforts to look at how we can address this, how we need to collaborate and the other tools in the toolbox that we need to apply to get there. So at Nestle, we've refreshed that commitment. And we've committed to be deforestation free by 2022 for our major ingredients, which include things like palm oil, sugar, soy, meat and pulp and paper. And by 2025 to be fully deforestation free for coffee and cocoa, recognising some of the additional challenges within smallholders. And lastly, just on this, and I think what's what's really exciting um, as a general move in the space is not just about saying, we're going to stop deforestation, but actually recognising the need to become forest positive, to move beyond protecting to actually restoring forests and helping them to thrive. So really pleased that this year at Nestle, we announced our commitment to be forest positive and to drive the change towards more sustainable landscapes into the future. It's really great to hear um, the commitments that Nestle have um, and the forest positive is uh, really interesting. And I hadn't heard that one before. Um, Olivia, is it similar at Ferrero? Yeah, definitely. And what I can say is that, you know, first of all, as a family company, you know, we have very strong values, uh, which really determine the way that we do business. But also very important is the, our quality promise to consumers, which has been there from the start. And uh, it's really at the heart of everything we do. And this is, includes also very uh, much the way that we source the ingredients for the products that uh, we bring on the market. And so what I can say in this is that uh, what is really important is that what we have put in place is a very robust uh, due diligence approach uh, that meets the requirements of uh, voluntary uh, agreements, but also legislation and, and especially also upcoming legislation. Uh, and that's uh, applicable to all the, um, say, procurement categories that we have as well. Um, but what is very important also in that due diligence approach is that we really depending on the, the risk level of each commodity, it defines also the approach. So there are uh, basic requirements for all suppliers, uh, for example, acknowledging our supplier code um, and ensuring traceability in our supply chain, but going above that, depending on the risk level, working in certification standards uh, and uh, dedicated mitigation programs to mitigate risks uh, in our supply chain. And, and this uh, promise to quality is really uh, essential. So when we take a commitment um, it's not just something on paper, it's really how we put that in practice uh, and uh, going beyond where we believe it's necessary and, and where it's possible as well, for example, with uh, with technology. Um, so we as Ferro made uh, several commitments many years ago uh, on, on some key commodities, um, on uh, cocoa, on palm oil, on hazelnuts, um, sourcing um, by 2020, either it's 100% traceable or um, as uh, say uh, responsibly sourced but uh, what we can see is that um, for example certification or standards are important starting point in that journey but uh, we definitely need to go beyond in that respect um, so if you look at uh, whether it's the palm oil program or it's a cocoa program we work along several pillars to address it and um, i think and in addition to that i think what's also very important because uh, when we address, when it comes to environmental topics, we cannot uh, dissociate that from the social uh, topics. So we need to bring that together. And I think if you look also now at the developments with the upcoming EU due, uh, due diligence legislation, it's covering both uh, the environmental 
to the but also the human rights to because they are very much interconnected. And that's also how we approach it uh, in our responsible sourcing uh, approach to commodities, looking at all the elements that are relevant within, uh, within a particular supply chain and address it. But of course, also very important is to work on that very close with our suppliers uh, that meet uh, need to meet our basic requirements, which are laid out in the supplier code, but also um, going beyond those uh, basic requirements where needed. And um, I think if you look at COCOA, we see that also very clearly, um, for example, what we're doing uh, under the umbrella of the Coke Enforce Initiative, uh, which is uh, really looking at, um, say, mapping our supply chain, but really supporting farmers to convert to agroforestry systems. And I think also what is very important here, uh, I think for today's discussion as well, is that we cannot do it alone. So the collective initiatives are very essential to transform supply chains in responsible ones. Um, so we see that in COCOA with the Coca Force Initiative, but also in Palmo efforts that are being done also uh, through RSPO or the Palmo Innovation Group. Uh, and that's where the, I think the focus needs to be um, of companies and, uh, and where SVO we try to contribute as well. It's really interesting that you uh, mentioned your interaction with those schemes and standards. Um, my next question is sort of around what schemes and standards you are using um, in your businesses and how do you ensure that you are meeting those so that the commodities you are sourcing can be proven to be sustainable? Um, Olivier, perhaps I'll come to you first to build on uh, what you were just saying. Yeah, so um, to Ferrero, um, certification standards are a very important starting point um, because in a standard, it's laid out what are the minimum requirements that uh, suppliers in your supply chain need to comply with. So, for example, farmers or uh, other suppliers, and they are audited against those so-called control points. And that's very essential because it uh, understands you whether there are no compliance in your supply chain. But uh, as we have been also communicating for many years, certification standards are just a starting point for us. So, uh, first of all, we, we pursue a commodity we identify what is the most applicable uh, uh, certification uh, or standard. Uh, for example, in Palma, we source through RSPO certified segregated, but in Coco, we work with uh, Rainforest Alliance or Fairtrade or uh, independently standards. Um, in cane sugar, it will be Bonsuko. But again, it's just a starting point because we really need to go beyond in order to uh, effectively address issues in the supply chain. And I think linked to that very much, and, and that is really the cornerstone of any program that we have in the supply chain is traceability. Because if you don't know where your ingredients are coming from and under which conditions they are produced, it's not possible to support, uh, to address any non-compliances in an effective way, but also to provide targeted support. So traceability is really essential in uh, in any, I would say, uh, sustainability program. And Emma, does uh, Nestle take a similar approach? I very much agree with everything Olivia's just laid out. And and I think if we if we all collectively as a sector reflect on the last decade and and try and understand why couldn't why didn't we get to our goal by 2020, it's really because we weren't using at that time every tool we had available to us. And actually, it's only been in the last few years that lots more tools have have become available. And we need to throw every single one of them at this challenge because it's such a complex, interconnected, and difficult thing to address. So certification, as Olivia says, is absolutely critical and remains a 
key part of it, but it is only one tool in our toolbox. And I think what we what we try and do is ensure we're using the most credible and robust schemes that are available to us. So whether that's RSPO for palm oil or RTRS for soy or things like Rainforest Alliance or 4C or Fair Trade in, in the coffee and cocoa space, we absolutely need to be using certification to help provide some level of assurance that that, that good practices are being implemented on farm. Um, and But almost we're in a point now where uh, certification is really a hygiene factor. It's really a baseline. It's an entry point. It's almost a prerequisite to being in our supply chain that those those commodities have to have been produced under a, certif- a robust certification scheme. So it's really critical to be able to give us that level of assurance. But then, as Olivia says, we need to look at other things that help to complement that certification scheme. So whether that's traceability systems that we can start to really interrogate exactly where our ingredients are coming from, how they're moving through our supply chain so we can understand the impacts that are being had and make sure we address them. Or whether it's more detailed farm assessments with particular farmers in particular regions to really address hotspots of risk that we know are happening. Yeah, absolutely critical that we use all these things available to us. Um, and and for each commodity, it's different. That's the challenge as well, that there isn't a silver bullet. The, the challenges we face in the cocoa supply chain are very different to those we face in palm oil. So we need to make sure we continue to use the different approaches and also be ready to adopt new ones as they emerge over the coming years. And speaking of using all the tools in our toolbox and going beyond certification, Olivier Ferrero provided a really interesting case study um, to the FDF supporting our latest Ambition 2025 progress report. And that referenced some of the work you're doing on the ground in producer countries, including the Ferrero Farming Values Palm Oil Programme. I'm sure you have many others. Could you tell us more about those? I think what is very important is that you know, when we talk about uh, responsible sourcing or sustainability, it's a journey. I mean, it's it, you can't uh, say or lay out how things will be. It's it's a journey, and along the way, you learn things. Uh, new technologies uh, come to the surface that provide new opportunities, and it's also you know working with uh, the partners in your supply chain or with other partners. So, if we look at Palmoy, it has been a journey. I mean, we made a commitment uh, early. Uh, 2010 to source uh, 100% of our uh, palm oil as RSPO segregated, which we achieved uh, already back in 2015. But I mean, again, that's that's not enough. You really need to continuously uh, uh, say approve, improve like, your activities and work with your suppliers. So again, their traceability has been really essential in our palm oil program, program and uh, which is goes beyond the mill. So we are, have mapped all the plantations in our supply chain. And this also is very important because uh, we are using um, Starlink for satellite deforestation monitoring. And because we have such strong traceability in our supply chain all the way back to the plantations, it allows us to really identify uh, potential deforestation risk alerts in a very uh, granular way. So uh, we don't have just like a, a huge number of deforestation, deforestation risk alerts because we don't directly know where our supply chains because we know where our supply chains so we have very targeted risk alerts and we can also uh, ex- um, examine those uh, with our suppliers in a very targeted way uh, and then address them and again that I think is essential and uh, not just on uh, you know uh, our commitment on the no deforestation free or deforestation free palm oil supply chain but also an exploitation free palm oil supply chain uh, I mean in light of that 
We have launched several years ago a Palmer Charter. Um, and we have also recently uh, uh, updated that with our new uh, uh, Palmo Charter, which uh, lays out our ambitions for the coming uh, years on what we want to achieve in our uh, uh, Palmo supply chain, both on, on the human rights element and social practice, but also on the deforestation uh, uh, side, uh, having a 100% uh, uh, supply chain verified uh, deforestation free supply chain. That is really essential, uh, protecting also the high conservation value areas in the supply chain and working uh, with our key partners in uh, achieving those uh, results. And Emma, you know, Olivier mentioned there some of the uh, tracking solutions and on the ground tracking. Um, I know at Nestle, in terms of tracking deforestation within supply chains, you use a lot of satellite imagery, for example, through your Starling supplier engagement process. Could you tell us more about this and how innovation is helping your business to source sustainable commodities? Definitely. And these these kind of new um innovations in satellite technology can often look like things from science fiction, but they're absolutely incredible and so useful for us to apply to these real world problems in our supply chain. So, yeah, in, in 2018, Nestle became one of the first global food companies to start using uh, the Starling service, a satellite monitoring system. The aim of this was for us to be able to really understand and keep an eye on all of our palm oil supply chains happening around the world. So to really understand what's going on on the ground and how this works is it uses a group of um, satellites under the Airbus system called SPOT, which provide really detailed imagery. It's quite impressive, actually. It's up to 1.5 metres of resolution that we can see on land across huge areas of the planet to the point that it becomes really easy for us to be able to see the difference between what's forest and, and mature forest that we want to keep and what is cropland, areas that are under production. And then, of course, this means that we can see even small changes in that tree coverage are clearly visible to us. So we can spot incidences of deforestation in real time, which means we can take decisive and rapid action to make sure we avoid that. So these, these systems are really impressive and super important for us. And the, the satellites also use other uh, systems that exist in the sky as well as radar, because we know sometimes there are challenges we face like cloud cover, etc. So making sure we tap into all the different existing systems helps us to understand the most vulnerable areas of land um, that are at risk and make sure we're, we're taking decisions to avoid that. So once all that data uh, goes through that system, we have we work with experts at the Forest Trust who then can process that data through a powerful piece of software, um, which can be used anywhere in the world that's got access to Internet. And what that gives us is uh, imagery in real time. It gives us tracking stool tools, different statistics and insights that are fed in to create a really clear picture about what's happening on the ground whether these instances we're seeing are legal or illegal or different activities that are going on so that we can really take action. So it's incredibly exciting, important. It's fantastic to hear Ferrero as well are using similar systems. I think these are really key to us being able to, to tackle these issues and not constantly have to be looking back at past instances of deforestation, but really address future instances that might emerge in our supply chains. 
Yeah, if I can just uh, add something, I think important to this because that's often overlooked. I mean, one thing is to have um, you know data collected on the supply chain, location of, of farms or uh, uh, plantations. Um, so that can be done with uh, the GPS mapping, but a very essential element of uh, the activities that are being done as part of a uh, sustainability program is the data uh, verification and the data cleaning. So, um, you know, people go on the ground, uh, enumerators, they go around the farm, they do they take all the polygons, but the actual work after that is maybe even more uh, relevant, is to make sure that the data is verified and reliable. Because if it's not uh, verified and reliable, it means you have a, um, uh, a same risk represent representation of your supply chain, uh, which also doesn't allow you to provide uh, the targeted support and address also uh, any risk issues in your supply chain in the right way. Uh, so just want to highlight that because it's, it's an element of the activities that is often overlooked, but really essential uh, to make sure that you have a, uh, a robust and reliable uh, sourcing program in place. Thank you both. It's really interesting to hear what your businesses are doing to track and address uh, sourcing of commodities within your supply chains. And it's clear that you're both quite a way down that path. But I was hoping that you could also share some advice for businesses who are much earlier on this journey and perhaps only just thinking about uh, sourcing of sustainable commodities. Um, Olivia, perhaps I'll come to you first. Yeah, I think um, what I would say, and it really depends also on the, on the size of a company, because, you know, of course, the larger a company, the more resources uh, it, it has in terms of people or in, in, in uh, technologies or other means to perform, to do its responsible sourcing activities. But the, really the starting point of anything I would say is you have to know your supply chain. So traceability is key. And I know if you're a smaller uh, company and I, before coming to Phil uh, headquarters, I worked in Trejo Benelux, so really closer, uh, you know, within the business unit and uh, in associations with also small, medium-sized companies. And I know there are challenges that they think they're too far away from the, you know, the origin of their supply chain and knowing what is there and on which conditions uh, their ingredients are sourced. But knowing your supply chain is really key, working with your suppliers. And especially for um, you know the, the small and medium-sized companies, the support that can come through associations is really essential, providing them the toolboxes to uh, do assessments on their supply chain and knowing which instruments they could have to address it and challenge them also to go beyond. So, you know, uh, sourcing through uh, certification or standards is, as we said in this uh, discussion as well, a good starting point. But in certain uh, commodities, it's a, it, we have to go beyond in order to really have a, a positive impact on the supply chain and, and support the transformation towards a, uh, a sustainable one. So that is really, I think, uh, essential. And so calling also on uh, not just, uh, you know, the Food and Drink Federation, but also other associations is the support that they can give to their members. I, fu I fully agree with that, definitely. I think there's, for businesses that are just starting out, there's lots of lessons and insights that can be learned from companies like ours who our bigger companies have been on this journey for a long time and do have the resources. So there's definitely support and insight that can be learned. I think the first thing to say is it can be really overwhelming if you're a small or a medium sized business just starting out on this journey, but shouldn't let that um, cause inertia and stop acting. So it really is the time to start now. And the first thing to do would be to do that materiality assessment, to really look at your business, 
understand the different risks and different challenges and where can you make the most material impact um, the, the soonest? Where are your major risks that you need to address? And then engage through these forums and platforms and engage with your suppliers. Simply start asking questions. Do you know where your ingredients come from? Do you have any certifications to check that they've been produced in a sustainable way? And by that, you can start building up a picture of where the gaps are. And in some cases, there may be some pleasant surprises where, oh, I didn't realise that part of my supply chain is already covered, which is great, and others that, that need to be addressed sooner. So definitely get started, um, ask questions and 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 use the resources. There's, there's a massive information out there um, that can be that can be harnessed and used to help start that journey and build on the lessons and the insights from from journeys that we've been on over the past decade and more. Yeah, I think just to add uh, what I mentioned also before, uh, I think for those that are starting, uh, say only now with the journey, it's really a journey of continuous improvement. So, you know, you can set a bar at a certain level and, and you know, your rise and then try to achieve it. But that's at that when you reach that point, you will then have to go beyond again and see how you can continuously improve on that journey. And it will not be an easy one. I mean, from uh, the experience that we've had in our various programs, we know that there will be a lot of challenges to face. Uh, you have to course correct many times uh, for, for whatever reason, but it's a journey that uh, you have to start and you have to be very clear also to your suppliers what you expect from them. Uh, and essential in that regard also is building long-term relationships with your suppliers um, because it's it is not like a short-term journey it really is one which uh, requires uh, a long-term vision endurance um, in order to to reach where you want to be i think that's a great point to to finish on and wrap up on and i'm sure that those businesses who are just starting on this journey will find that information really helpful and of course, the uh, the FDF are always there for our members, and we're also happy to help encourage collaboration um, and create links to businesses who are maybe further ahead on the journeys to share advice and best practice and learnings. Well, thank you both for joining me today. Um, I suppose my last question is just to ask whether you have any final thoughts or reflections that you'd like to share. Um, Emma, I'll come to you first. No, just a big thank you for having us today, Emma. This, I guess the, the key thing in my mind is we know there is no solution to climate change that doesn't involve stopping deforestation and protecting our forests. So this really is a crucial um, a crucial piece of the puzzle for both the climate crisis and the nature crisis that we're facing. So there's no time that's too late to get started and there's a wealth of stuff out there. And I guess the other key thing is is really looking forward to COP26 and the opportunity that that poses in terms of greater collaboration, um, more exploring and, and knowledge exchange of different stakeholders in the sector. So looking forward as well to see what comes out of, of COP this year. And if I can, uh, you know, final reflections, as I mentioned before, I think what is essential is that we need to have a holistic uh, view on, on the supply chain. So we can't just look at the environmental uh, you know, in itself, we need to look at, you know, the environmental and the human rights topics as one and, and how they're connected. Because if you look, for example, topics like on the social side will be impacted by climate change uh, issues that we are facing and vice versa. Um, and I think another important uh, point here, just a last reflection, is that 
uh, and I know we've been saying this for, for a long time, but it is really true. We cannot do it alone. So it's it's how we need to work with, uh, you know, governments from both uh, producing countries and consuming countries, working with civil society organizations, uh, but really also within the industry, how as companies, uh, you know, we can work together. Uh, that is going to be, I think, the key to success. Uh, if I look at programs, I mean, everybody's, is, uh, you know, taking their responsibility and, and doing their best. But if I look at what's happening on the ground, uh, we need to also ensure more, uh, you know, uh, connected action or coordinated action together and identifying roles and responsibilities. And also with the upcoming due diligence legislation uh, in the EU, but also in, in many countries where legislation uh, comes up, what, uh, how uh, we can work together uh, and also defining roles and responsibilities between all the actors in the supply chain. And, and if we can clarify that, that will already be a very important starting point for, for all stakeholders in the supply chain, including for, for companies. That collaboration point has come out so clearly in all the podcasts we've done in this series. And I think it's a great way of emphasizing that in our final piece around sustainable supply chains. And it will be really interesting to see what happens in the next couple of months with COP26 and a lot of these international dialogues that will really shape the future of our food systems. So I really want to thank everyone for listening to this podcast today. And I hope that it put our previous discussions on palm oil, soy and the bigger picture into a bit more context. If you would like more information on what the FTF is doing, then please do visit our Sustainable Supply Chains webpage and explore our environmental ambition, Ambition 2025, um, which is also supported by a number of member case studies, which are available um, in our resources hub and highlight the great work that our members are doing. You can also visit our Sustainability Resource Hub and really understand how you can get started on your sustainable supply chains journey. The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sector.